0: let's begin hello and welcome to the relatable voice podcast today we are heading to missouri to chat with nancy mel nancy is the best-selling author of 50 books oh my gosh 50 books embarking on an incredible journey in the world of writing she is a wife mother and grandmother who has a deep love for mystery and suspense. Her latest book, Cold Pursuit, is coming soon. So, my dear Nancy, welcome
1: to the RV. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You're not going to speed, are you? We're just going to go this, just obey the speed limits. And... Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> you are safe. I promise you.
0: Good. you. <laughs> <laughs> So, Nancy, having been born and raised in Wichita, but now residing in Missouri, could you please share what you enjoy the most about living in your current location?
1: Well, we moved here about 10 years ago because my son got a job here. Then he got married to a wonderful, wonderful lady. And then they had two boys. So we wanted to be involved in being in their lives, you know, so that's why we left everything. We'd been in Wichita our whole lives. And so we packed it all up and we came here and I love it most of all for them, but also I love Missouri, Kansas. If you know anything about it, it's flat. And I mean flat. They used to say in the old days, back in the old West, that you could see somebody coming two days before they got there. (laughs) And so in Missouri, oh, there's so many trees and lakes and, different kinds of birds and we have deer that come to our yard to eat every day. I love it here so I think I found my true home. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So you it was a
0: great decision to follow your song. Decision.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And we're just really happy here. And Nancy,
0: you mentioned that you played a role in solving a real
1: murder case. <laughs> I just did a podcast with someone else a few days ago, and that's what they wanted to talk about too. That's so funny. Well, what happened? When this was back in Wichita, I had a friend who was a manager of an apartment complex and um, it was owned by this lovely lady who owned quite a few properties in Wichita. Um, and she had told me about, well, let's I don't get ahead of myself here, but anyway, the lady was murdered. It was just horrible. It's such a sweet lady. And there was a couple living in the apartment complex who she would tried to take under her wing and help, and they'd been to her house. And I, when when I was talking to my friend, she said, she was talking about this couple, and she said, oh, they're moving out. They're out front right now, and they have a U-Haul. And I'm thinking, now, maybe it's a mystery writer in me, but I'm thinking, okay, they've been in her house. They've seen all her stuff. She was a very wealthy lady and they're leaving town. And I thought something's not right. So I told my friend, I said, don't let them leave. Call the police. And she said, I'm not calling the police. Are you crazy? And I said, call the police. So she called her husband and she said, Nancy wants me to call the police. He said, well, if she says call the police, call the police. So they did. And the police showed up and looked in the U-Haul and not only found the stolen items, but found the murder weapon and arrested them right there and so that was my part in that it, oh. it was a horrible story but glad they got them you know <laughs>
0: this is remarkable because you had the feeling it was it a feeling that you had that something was wrong? it was a
1: feeling yeah immediately I mean then your mind kicks in like they've been in her house you know those all those little things come together like why you're having that feeling but, yeah, it was just a feeling at first, and then I thought about the rest of it, and it just made too much sense. If I was writing the story, that would have been it, you know, you would have had to put them in the location, and they were not rich people, so they'd been inside of her house, and she had a lot of, a lot of things, and there was a theft along with the, you know, with the murder, so that's, you know, I could have been wrong, but it just seemed like everything lined up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is kind of thing we often witness in movies
1: or read about in thrilling novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it happened to me, yeah. And it's still a sad, you know, sad, sad story. But anyway, that's that's that. I hope I don't ever have to help solve a real murder again. <laughs> One time is plenty.
0: <laughs> and how, this, how did this real-life event influence your writing and approaching to crafting suspenseful narratives in your book in your new book
1: i don't know that it did but i mean it does give you a sense of wanting to see the bad guys Mm -hmm. caught i i went to a conference this was years and years ago in fact i don't even know if i'd written a book yet but i went to a mystery writers conference And there was a published author there who said that writing mystery, and I do, it's called Suspense, but there's mystery in my books. She said writing mystery is actually um, the pitting evil and good. It's the fight against evil and good. And in our books, good wins. And so that's what solving a mystery is, that good wins. And that always stuck with me. And so, in that situation, of course, it worked out that way. And it may be in the back of my mind, you know, but I've, I believe that even before that. So, mm-hmm. anyway.
0: And Nancy, um, I have to tell you, I used to love reading Suspense and Mystery. And when I was uh, maybe 10 years old or 12, I used to read Agatha Christie's books. Yes, yes. I was going to ask you if you also <laughs> like reading Agatha Christie.
1: I think I have almost every book she's ever written. And <laughs> the funny thing about that is that when I started writing mystery, it was more of a just regular mystery. And then my agent said, there's a publisher who is uh, going to start a, it was a mystery, a cozy mystery books books um, club is what it was. And would you want to write a proposal for a cozy mystery? And I said, well, yeah, sure. But what's a cozy mystery? Well, Agatha Christie. And so when she said that, of course, I realized what it was. And maybe I hadn't put a name to it, but that's what it was was, was Agatha Christie. So that really helped me. And I got the contract. So <laughs> mm-hmm. all of my Agatha Christie reading helped, I guess. Yes, Um, she was
0: amazing. Absolutely. Yes, and Nancy, could you please share with us your journey to becoming an author with 50 published books and nearly a million copies in print?
1: Well, it's kind of an odd journey because a lot of times people will say, I knew what I wanted to be when I was a child. Okay, I had no. I loved to read when I was a little girl. I would go to the library, get five or six books, and then get under the covers at night with a flashlight and read them all before morning. I just loved to read, which I found out later a lot of writers are the, were the same way when they were children, but I didn't know that at the time. And then when I was a teenager, I wrote uh, poetry, but it was kind of that, you know, that teenage angst thing is just probably horrible. I don't know whatever happened to it, but I probably wouldn't want to read it. But um, we had an assignment in my English class to write three poems. And so I did. And the teacher got up and read them and said, I know I've read these before. So she accused me of plagiarism. And I just kind of stopped writing after that. So fast forward to my 40s. And I still hadn't found that thing, you know, that you're called to do, whatever it is. And uh, I had been watching Murder, Murder, She Wrote. And I started thinking, boy, I might like to be Jessica Fletcher, but without the high body count all around her. And then I heard a teacher say that go back to your childhood and look at what you did naturally. And it it's probably what you're called to do. And that was the first time I thought, wait a minute. You know, I loved books when I was a kid. Maybe the reason that teacher said that is because I was good. It never occurred to me when I was a teenager. So that's when I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm called to write. So I was working at a bank back then. And on my lunch break one day, I said, okay, I'm going to see if I can write a book. Okay. So I got three pages done. And I said, this is not what I'm called to do. (laughs) This is really hard. But then that little voice goes, try one more time. And I did. And the words just started flowing out and they've never stopped since that day. So ever since then, I started learning how to write first and then took a year off trying to learn how to write because a lot of people don't realize it's a craft. And so I did that. And my first three books were actually published by small presses. And then I got a contract for a larger uh, publisher and that's how it got started (laughs) wonderful
0: it's good that you uh, you didn't give up
1: yeah and it isn't it too bad that if the teacher back then had said i see something in your writing i might have thought earlier in my life that maybe i was a writer and i could have started you know before my 40s but you know god has his timing too so maybe i wasn't supposed to back then who knows but that's how that's how i mean and now i'm not really complaining that i don't have enough books in print so <laughs> i'm okay <laughs> <laughs>
0: And your new series, Ryland and St. Clair, book mm-hmm. one, Code Pursuit, is going to be published in July. Is that correct? Mm-hmm.
1: That's right, yes.
0: Can you describe the Ryland and St. Clair series and what sets it apart from your other books?
1: Well, it's a little different. I've just done two series um, based on Uh, special agents with the FBI that work as behavioral analysts and people call them profilers. Okay. Um, And it's really, I have a lovely lady who is a retired FBI agent who was also a profiler. And she walked me through these series and it's not easy because the FBI has 10,000 departments and each department does something different. It's really kind of complicated. So I decided in this series, I was going to have uh, agents that had left the FBI, but still have that profiling uh, talent and that you know exposure and put them in a private investigation firm. So that way I have a little more freedom, but yet I can draw on that past experience and, and everything I've learned. Um, so I did that. And also I ran across an unusual... Um, disability that some people have. I never heard of it before. And a writer friend told me about it called syntheesthesia. And what it is, it's someone whose senses are all confused. Like they may see a word and smell an aroma or see a color or their senses just don't work the way ours do. And so I thought, boy, that would be a really good trait for a serial killer to have. <laughs> and so, and so that's how I worked it in, and that's how it's very different from anything I've done before.
0: Yeah, I I will research more about these um these uh let's see, it's a neurological problem
1: disorder yeah. disorder, yeah yeah, and I love research, so that was interesting in itself. So yeah. Yeah, and it's so hard to think of about how someone would, live with that you know but they do
0: yeah and also i know that one of your characters um an ex-fbi profiler has ptsd yes. i believe she is the protagonist of the story yes
1: uh river ryland that's right
0: mm-hmm. and what motivated you to create this character Because, for example, in real world, people often face mental health challenges. And it is commendable that you tackle this topic in, in your book. It makes it more, let's say, real life. So how did you come up with this idea?
1: Well, the truth is people that work in law enforcement, the things that they face are unimaginable. And a lot of what really happens when we write about serial killers or any other violent criminal, it's, a, it's like the Agatha Christie version. It's not the real version. So truthfully, the fact that most people in law enforcement don't have PTSD is kind of unusual. But what I did with uh, River Ryland uh they help when you're a profiler you write profiles for the fbi you're not out in the field you're in an office in a building working on a profile that you give to law enforcement and it is designed to help narrow down their search field so they can find who they're looking for in other other words they can look at the situation and say you're looking for say a white male between um, 25 and 40 and this is the kind of job he probably has they can read all of that from the situation from the crime scenes okay um in this situation i brought them out of the office because they thought that another uh analyst that they worked with had called them to a location along a river this is in arizona where they'd help to um, law enforcement to look for what i call the salt river Strangler. But it was really him setting them up. And he attacked them, shot her um, her co-profiler, Tony St. Clair, four times and tried to kill her by putting her in a, a chest, an old chest, and putting it into the river. And so inside this chest, she... Uh, calls out on God to save her, a God that she's rejected because of her father and the way that she was brought up. And when she's saved, she turns her back on him again. But she's dealing with this PTSD. So it's her spiritual journey as to how she deals with the fear and the guilt. And I use that as a way to show how her, her partner also helps her on that spiritual journey yeah and that was the reason. and i I think i I want to make I want to create characters that people can relate to. And I think we've all faced fear and we've all faced guilt. And so that was something that I wanted to uh, deal with in the book so that it's not just a story, but there's more to it than that.
0: yeah, it's that's always what I thought yeah. <laughs> And Nancy. Could you share with us your methods or some techniques for crafting compelling characters? How do you come up with a character? You are an observer of human beings.
1: Well, you're exactly right about that. Uh, It's funny because it's another thing I found out about writers is we love biographies. We watch people. It's just an innate curiosity. And so I've also even, I mean, serial killer shouldn't be interesting, but for some reason, the psychopathy is interesting to me. And so I've read books about them and and different types of people. Uh, It's just something that I think writers need to know. It's not only that we need to know, but we have to know. And the other thing is, I also think that it helps to identify things inside of ourselves. I mean, People will say, well, are you in your characters? I'm in all of my characters. I mean, the good ones and the bad ones. Because even the bad ones, I mean, we've all felt hatred. Now we know how to deal with it, and some people don't. But we've all felt those things. And so I think that helps, and I just think a natural curiosity about people. You know, it's something, this is funny too, but I know some writers actually like to go to malls and sit and just watch people come by. Because of the different kinds of people, the way they move, the way they talk, the way they act, it all, it all comes together to help create characters.
0: Yeah. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the famous people's watching.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now be careful or you may end up in my book.
0: And Nancy, are there any themes or messages you try to convey through your writing?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that there's no place we hurt or nothing inside of us that has been damaged that God can't heal. And I think I try to make sure that everything I write shows that so that it gives people hope I mean I'm not just writing to tell stories I want people to walk away from what I've written and feel better or feel stronger And that's the most important thing to me
0: mm-hmm. thank you thank you Nancy mm-hmm. and would you like to give an advice to aspiring writers that are listening to us now
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, some things I wish I'd known (laughs) back when I started. Yeah. First of all, I think a lot of people starting out want to write what they want to write. And that would be great if it would work, but sometimes that's not the way to do it. Number one, like I said earlier, learn your craft. Don't get in a rush. You know, learn, read, study, get with other people. I mean, other writers are, are, a big help to bounce ideas off of, to have them look at what you've read, get feedback. Also find publishers and that are publishing the kinds of books that you want to write and read what they're publishing. Because if you know what they want, then that will give you a lot, they'll give you a leg up. And the funny thing is, my journey has been so weird from starting to mystery to cozy mystery I spent three, no, I'm nine books, three series writing um, Old Order Mennonite Suspense. Don't even ask me how I got there. But <laughs> but little by little, I was able to say, why don't we make this more suspenseful? Why don't we forget the Old Order Mennonites and just do suspense? Why don't we do? And since I had my leg in, I could talk to my publishers and they would open the door to let me try different things. And that's why I can write what I want to write now. So find out who's publishing what, uh, learn to do that, learn to write that. You'll get the chance later to maybe go in a different direction that you'd like to go once you have a publisher who trusts you. That's important.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. And Nancy, where can our listeners find you online?
1: Um, My website, nancymel.com. And also I have a blog, Suspense Sisters. It's, um, I think it's suspensesisters.blogspot.com. And I've got a blog there with some other suspense authors and it's a lot of fun. I think they'd enjoy that too. Nice.
0: And do you have social media as well?
1: I'm all over Facebook I can't give you I can't give you the actual uh how to get there but I have a regular page and then I have a fan page
0: okay great and I would like to thank our listeners to be here with us now and please check our new magazine and our new issue of the magazine the relatable voice and you can see Nancy there you see her website you're going to see her book and of course to learn a little bit more about her and other incredible authors and nancy it was delightful to come to missouri to speak with you you are such a lovely person
1: i just really enjoyed this i really love meeting you
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know, you are always welcome. I'll be here when you publish your book number
1: 51. Okay. You got a deal. <laughs> deal. <laughs> thank you. There, thank there we
0: you go. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening, and remember, relationships don't exist, relating does. Until next time.